Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is A Lot To Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Ooh. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night, good uh, whatever. I have no idea what time it is because it is a podcast. But I know when you were listening to this, you are listening to this Thursday, June 6th. And this is right after the famous juggernaut, the king, hashtag King James, James Holsauer, was finally defeated after an epic 32 Jeopardy win run. And as a result, we're going to have some uh, Monday morning uh, quarterbacking slash bar stooling with other Jeopardy champions, Monica Tew. Hello there. And Keith Williams. Hi. Both uh, college alumni uh, champions and uh, tournament champions in their own right. And Monica is a very smart scientist, so she's going to add her sciencey stuff. And Keith is the author and runner of the FinalWager.com, which uh, designates Jeopardy strategy ad infinitum for those who are in the know. Hey, guys. Welcome. Hey. Glad to be here. Yeah. Now, we're all in New York, so that's why, uh, that's why the three of us got together, because we all know one another through this tight-knit community of freaking nerds, uh, and we figured, why not get together and let's, let's talk about hashtag King James. Uh, first of all, whoa. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we're all fans of the show. We've all performed and excelled on the show, but uh, has anyone... Has anyone ever seen this in this consistency? You know, Roger had a seventy-seven thousand dollar win. I what not, is that? That's 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 nothing. That's that, peanuts. That's his average now. You know, that was his yeah. average. I mean, I had a sixty-nine, nice, and sixty-five thousand five hundred dollar win, right? But I went from Roger went from the number one. Uh, highest score for one decade to I now for believe one day. for one no yeah. for but the oh. one day f- score for a for decade years, yeah. to now I believe it's fifteenth <laughs> and I went from something along the lines of third and fifth all day one t- one day to uh, I think three hundred seventy fourth and. 890th. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're down there with the single, uh, the pre-doubled value. <laughs> really Be- low. Before, before we adjusted for inflation. Uh, it's just incredible because we all got so jaded. It was like, ugh, like $40,000 today? Like, what is that? But that's really incredible. And we were all so lucky to get so spoiled almost watching him play. Right. Keith, what was, before the James Holtzauer era, what was the one-day average of, uh, what, through the... Post doubling era, probably around twenty thousand dollars. About twenty, yeah. I thought it was around nineteen thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. Um, so for those of you uh, of the younger side or in the new to Jeopardy, because maybe you became fans because of James. And by the way, kudos to you for for him opening up a whole new realm of possibility of people who are following the show. Uh, back before nineteen ninety nine, for the first sixteen years of the show, you can only win five games. And seventy-five thousand dollars total. And if you won over seventy-five thousand dollars, it was donated to charity. Then they changed the rule and they allowed a limited wins. And thus we enter the Ken Jennings era. So that would have been. Did he get on like really soon after they opened it up, or was it Keith? Yeah. So they switched it in season twenty, which was my college season. Man, that's. This is one of the few times where I can be like, oh, back in my day. <laughs> uh, so that was 2003 into 2004, and uh, that's when they switched before that season. He came on, I think, June 2nd, 2004. 2004 right? yeah. that, that'd be kind of weird if that was almost oh, the anniversary. Oh. Ooh, creepy. For some reason, that, that date is stuck in my mind, but today... So so Ken's because so Ken's seventy four game run came right after the the five game barrier was uh, was uh, it became unlimited. Yeah, you had a few more than five day champions. Like you had Sean Ryan, who won six games, and that was the first player who'd ever done that, and that was a huge deal. And Tom Walsh won seven. 
man, such quaint numbers. <laughs> <laughs> right. And even um, this, this morning I was interviewed, um, and uh, even, even, the, even in this current post-Ken Jennings era, the nine, the ten games, those are pretty substantial runs. And I think it is because of, now we've been proven, not the format of the game. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the format of the game sort of makes it pretty hard for you to win more than four or five because, for those of you who don't know, we've got five days of taping. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, lunch break, Thursday, Friday. So when you are the returning champ, you're exhausted by the end of that. Conversely, the people in the audience get to see you the whole time. So it's sort of weeded itself out around the, what's the, Keith, what's the average um, streak? Oh, I'd say probably between two and three at most. At most. Yeah. You either win zero or you got two or three, yeah. and that's pretty much it. Well, at least two-thirds of players don't win any at all. Yeah, yeah. I, that think, lo- I think last time I looked at it, it was something like 74%, somewhere around there, of players don't win a game. 74. So, and then, so that means 26% of players do win, and the reason and it's if, not exactly a third is because some players win multiple games. And if okay. they do, they win two to three. Right. But that's well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. But that would be the average streak. I think so, yeah. Got I'd it. have to run the numbers again, but I'll have to dust off all my old <laughs> oh, I ran all these numbers about three or four years ago. Yeah, and, and you need to collect the new data. Yeah. Luckily, I have my computer open, and I have... You know, some of the stats in front of me. Is his, are his stats just going to totally skew, or is there enough of a data set out there right now that it's just going to marginally up them? Well, we could always exclude them Absolutely. as an outlier. So. <laughs> like, here's everyone else, and then here's yeah. everyone plus James. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly, he and Ken and maybe a few other people are just way out there yeah. as far as money wins, number, I can't talk, it's late, number of days <laughs> won, what have you. Yeah. Now, I'm glad I have a scientific uh, approval. For yeah, all of the yes. ways I'm going to removing outliers this in this case, I would say perfectly kosher. <laughs> right, right. So when, um, so now we've got we've designated we've got the five game era, we've got the Ken Jennings. I'm going to call that the open era. I don't know because it sounds sort of <laughs> sexy and tennis like. Like you know, you had the Babe Dittrichs and Zaharias. Now you've got the open era. Now we've got. Who is he? He's Roger Federer and Nadal together in this juggernaut era. Um, what do you guys think of the change in the game? Because nothing's changed. Still the same. Daily doubles are still more or less in the same places. Dollar values are still the same. What happened? Someone came along and just destroyed the game. I'm just kidding. That's not really <laughs> the term I would use, but you get that thrown around quite a bit. Right. Because- we will definitely talk about the naysayers and poo-pooers in yeah. a little bit, but I want to talk about right now what what happened. But I think even people who are in favor of James say that he destroyed the game in a good way. Mm. But what he did wasn't really novel, I don't think. He took existing strategy and just optimized it. Absolutely. So one of the things that I've been seeing that James has done that I think is his own sort of like special brand of the kind of like Roger Craig bet big on daily doubles and just, you know, no fear is that he would start at the bottom row. And so daily doubles are most likely in the third row. So the middle uh, dollar value. So starting at the bottom actually means you're a little less likely to hit the daily double. But for James, what that meant was that he could use that in his favor because if he's getting questions right and his correct rate is so high, if he's getting questions right, that means he can build up like three, four, five thousand $5,000 before he gets to the daily double, which means that by the time he gets there, even if it's really early in the game, he can already be making bets that are big enough to put him just way ahead of everyone else. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things that led to his downfall was that he found the daily double on the very first clue of the game. And he could only wager $1,000, whereas in other circumstances, he had seven, dollars $8,000, and he could have a humongous score even before the first break. I think last week he had a score of 18-4 after 15 clues. Right. <gasps> which oh is God. what? It's, it's which very you, difficult to get that after 60 clues. Which you just said is uh, a couple thousand dollars under the typical victory average. Right. Yeah. And that's literally a quarter of the way through the game. Right. With the, yeah, without two daily doubles and a final Jeopardy wager. And the bigger board. And the bigger, and ah. the bigger board, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he had $9,000, goes all in, and now, boop, there we go, yeah. it's over. Uh, th- and that's, that's absolutely remarkable, because, yeah, you're right, nothing has changed except the psychological optimization of how to utilize the very structured Jeopardy board. It is very structured. There are heat maps where you could tell 
90% of the time where the daily doubles are going to occur. And also, we all know that if there's a Taylor Swift category, they're probably not putting the daily double in there if there's a U.S. history category right next to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, a good way to approach it. You can't always predict with certainty, but they're going to be toward the bottom of the board. They're not going to be in the $400 or $200 level. And it's and, true that they do like the more like academic E categories. So usually not your like pun categories are like starts with X. It's usually going to be your like history, your literature. So I think we know more than the average person would like to believe, which makes it so easy to say it's rigged. But really, if you've watched like as much Jeopardy as I imagine many of the people going on the show have, like you start to pick up on these patterns. Yeah. And one of the things that I, um, I know I did and I know Monica did in tournament play is even, even though uh, the, the writers write the boards sequentially, low dollar value to high dollar value, top to bottom, uh, and we would, in tournament play, at least go for higher dollar values early on just because we're playing other champions and we know we've got to build that stack all of us still reverted to when it came to like a, you know, nuns the word. And you're like, oh no, what does this mean? I have no idea. I'm going to start at the top. He didn't do that either. He went for the jugular on the, I roll my eyes on when I see a, when I see a category title and it's like, who's the first? I'm like, what's that mean? What's that mean? Is it who's on first or is it what's the, uh, but what, what, what guts that takes. Yeah, I think he's just depending on his huge knowledge base and maybe his ability to tease out what the category might be about just and, based on the category title, which is very difficult to do in a lot of circumstances, like you mentioned. Even then, something that kind of comes into play when you kind of like, say you're 20 games in and you're James and you're like, I really got this. And you kind of know, if you don't get that clue correct, maybe no one else does. And you can still make that money back, but it's kind of like any money that the other two players don't get is effectively money in his pocket. And so it's kind of this like sabotage game that's kind of crazy. Now, you just brought up something that I don't know has been looked into. Sabotage? No. <laughs> Listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage. I can't stand it. Uh, no. Um, there was also, like we just said earlier, you take five games in a day. It seemed almost as if James was in, uh, addressing each single day as its own individual game. Whereas when you're up there and you're winning and the next two contenders come up against you, you sort of address it as if it's a new day. It didn't seem, at least to me, it seemed like he was addressing the string of five episodes in one day as one overarching game, like individual innings, because... He's facing two new hitters, so to speak, who haven't seen him before. So why not throw the high heat just to start it off, right? Why would you start by tossing a couple balls out there to see if they foul tip him? Yeah, but you can also consider that he's a professional gambler, so he spends a lot of time in casinos. He has no idea what a day is. He never sees the sun. <laughs> there are no clocks. And by the way, they do not pump oxygen into the Jeopardy studios. So he might, be, might have been at a distinct a disadvantage there. It does have its own smell, though. I'm <laughs> oh, sure yes, you guys have oh, yeah. smell. Set went, smell is definitely a smell. Set smell is a set smell. It's, right. it's electric and tears. Yeah. I got, <laughs> I, got to, uh, I got to attend a taping of the new Press Your Luck a couple weeks ago, <gasps> which is excellent. I, I'm no so excited whammy. to watch it. Yes. It, uh, you will love it if you love the old show. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, so and it had that smell, and I was just, it's like heaven in some ways. The nostalgia. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, I just went to a taping, uh, the final tape day of season 35, and I walked in, I'm like, yep, yeah, it's home. It smells like home. Um, did, yeah, did, but, your, did your thumb start itching? <laughs> well, no, I was sitting in the row with like Ken and Brad and Alan, and all of us are just sort of there like this. It's you can't see, but you're you just. You ask if uh, Austin's thumb started twitching. Has he told you about how he broke the buzzer during practice at the All Star Games? I did break the buzzer during practice at the All Star Games. How did I do that? Out of frustration? I don't, I don't remember. I think you, you were like twiddling it on the side of the podium during oh, I th- break. I think I was doing an. I think I might have been doing an Alan Lynn impersonation where I was spinning it. And I like spin it. I'm like, bing! <laughs> and I did definitely break it. And someone goes, swap that out. I go, well, that might be good now. We were all sitting in the audience being like, 
do not let us get that podium. <laughs> if that buzzer malfunctions, we are marching straight up to Austin. <laughs> give me my money back. I think that happened during a recent TOC. I think uh, John Schultz, as I recall, his buzzer wasn't working and they didn't realize for several clues. Oh. And so they had to go back and just eliminate. And just throw, and just throw them out the and board. just yeah. throw some new ones in. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I do remember hearing about that. I mean, that is one thing that like everyone's, you know, actually this breaches right straight into their own. It's rigged. It's fixed. It's rigged. It's fixed. No, 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 no. This is the most above the board thing on earth. And like you just said, the buzzer is broken. Well, that's not fair. That's not equitable. We got to reset and go backwards. Yeah. Um, Although to be fair, playing against James, everyone thought their buzzer was broken, I think. Yeah. Although, I mean, during the uh, All-Stars, when I was playing against Ken, uh, at one point, Alex goes, uh, who was I playing with? It was me and Ben. Yes. Me and Ben Ingram. Alex goes, Ben, Austin, are your buzzers not working? And I go, no, they're working just fine. And we all stared at Ken because he's, <laughs> a, mean, he's a juggernaut. That finger is how you win, like, you know, 30-plus games. So. Yeah. I hear he insured it for $2 million. <laughs> <laughs> I think he sold it short then because his net worth has probably gone up after uh, investments. Um, yeah, so it's rigged. James knew it was coming. He threw this one. Uh, finalwager.com, what do they say? You can't even go to the bathroom without having someone shadow you, so there's no way he's getting any information. I think... Anyone who says that has no idea how game shows are run. Right. Ever I since, agree. Yeah, ever since the 50s with the, all those scandals. Having been uh, yelled at in the audience in between games for, I was like, as one does, like whispering the answers to myself, thinking it was under my breath. And I had someone come up to me and like do the little like Dikembe Mutombo finger. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, please don't kick me out. No, no, no. So yeah, they, they catch you. And also, the, uh, and also people said that he, uh, he threw his final bet on purpose. <sighs> oh, God. Yeah, uh, do the, I don't understand how to bet when there's two other people and they're all within the... I know how to bet when there's one other person. I know I have to how to beat that person, but I don't get how to bet. You guys are both smarter than me. Walk us through how you bet when there's... What was his scenario? I think it was... So he was betting out of second? Was, he was betting out of second. Betting out of second. Yeah, with third place locked out. Yep. And third place was had seven. No, he did not have third place. He did. He did. Oh, he did. Yeah. So uh, third place had eleven thousand. He had twenty three four. Right. And uh, I can't remember. She had. I think she had twenty two. She wagered twenty thousand two hundred ten. She had. Yeah. So she had twenty six six hundred. I think. Right. Yeah. He wagered thirteen ninety nine, which if he's wrong would put him down to twenty thousand two twenty two thousand and one. Right. Which would be a dollar above the third place guy if he yes, doubled so up. So he's guaranteed second. Right. Right. Now it's a Shakespeare category, right? And mm-hmm. Emma's a librarian and it turns out she wrote her undergraduate thesis on Shakespeare. So she's gonna bet to lock him out. And if you're on the show, ninety nine times out of a hundred, you're gonna have faith in your ability to get it right. Right. Absolutely. So, you have to. Yeah. So she's gonna bet to win, and there's no way that he can win if she gets it right. So he has to play for second, so to speak, because if she gets it wrong, he wants to make sure that he's in first. It's called playing for the low in gambling parlance, which I've heard thrown around recently, which is kind of fun. Because a lot of it is especially, so when you're in first place, which uh, James was for almost all of his games, except for, I suppose, this one, going into Final Jeopardy, the only thing you really need to worry about is beating second place. The only person you need to get Final Jeopardy right is you. But the important piece is, is in most situations, if you're in second or third place, the only way you have a chance of winning is if the people ahead of you get it wrong. And so there are just more variables that you need to consider, and so that just makes betting that much more difficult. Just like Keith said, do you bet to try to jump over first place or she gets it wrong? Or do you bet conservatively to definitely beat third place no matter what happens? So his bet, which was, what was it, 1699? 1399. 1399 was in essence, 1399 was the minimum. But if he bet $5,000, $9,000, $11,000, it didn't make a Well, it wouldn't have made a difference in the long run, but he was considering what third place would do. So if third place doubles uh, up, okay, then I, I, yeah. I got you. So yeah, even if you, you simplify it down to a two-person, if it's just James and Emma, yeah. if Emma wagers 22201 to lock him out, yes. and she gets it wrong, she's going to have some amount left, yep. 6000 something. If he wagers everything, the only way that he wins is if he gets it right and she gets it wrong. Got it. With this wager, he wins if she gets it wrong, period. Period. 
So by wagering more, he's if he wins, he'll win more money. Yeah, but not that it matters. But then to him. he's putting himself at risk, right? But he's increasing his chances of losing significantly. Understood. So he the, the only scenario in which it works is he gets it right. She gets it wrong. Yes. Right. If he wagers big. And if she gets it wrong and he gets it wrong and third place gets it right, he still has that $1 advantage. Exactly. So, aha. Okay. Okay. So, basically, the scenario, the way it played out, was the only box on the square where he would lose. Yes. Right. Got it. Unless. Uh, Oh, come on. What is it, Keith? There is a possibility that she could have wagered nothing. Which some people have done. It very rarely happens. She would have won no matter what with those wagers, but she's not going to do that. No one ever does that. Dan Pawson did it once, and people thought he was nuts, but he won. And so, essentially, what wagering zero out of first place means, if I'm correct, is you're basically betting that you're going to get it wrong. Because you're basically saying, I'd rather have the amount of money that I have now than anything less. I don't want to risk any possibility that I'm going to have even $1 less than what I have now, and so zero is the bet. But if it's Shakespeare, and you wrote your undergrad thesis on Shakespeare, go big. Yeah. Go big, girlfriend. And the thing is that the correct responses are correlated. So if you get Final Jeopardy right, the odds are better than average that the other person's going to get Final Jeopardy right as well. So if the other person's wagering big, you might as well wager big as well. So not that she knew that ahead of time. Right. But he made everything absolutely what I would have done in that situation. So it turns out not only in being a machine in that I think he went something like, James went something like nine games straight without an incorrect answer. Yeah. And that's full so stop, I, start to finish, mm-hmm. including Final Jeopardy. Yes. So not only including being that kind of machine, he also has the contingency fallback plan of having the proper math in his back belt in case he's in a situation where he has to wager. And in this case, it just didn't turn out in his favor. Yeah. If well, I, ma- was, I imagine as a gambler, he has to do this pretty often. Right. And I can't ad so that's why i'm just like please have enough that i don't have to do math once i get to final jeopardy luckily a lot of times i did so i was pretty okay with that but uh that's why if i ever if i'm ever against you two guys you know what you got to do because <laughs> you could probably wager whatever you wanted and i'd fr- i'd find a way to mess it up and get it wrong i'd either wager too much or too i wager too much i'd always wager too much that's exactly what i would do <laughs> i would just always wager too much <laughs> well with your knowledge base that might not be a problem yeah yeah well t- hey it turns out and you know james's knowledge base is that's that's the crazy thing because you know i didn't watch every game because it was six weeks of jeopardy um but the ones i did watch i'm like no no way will he know all of those like like it's like you know mythical finnish sea creatures oh Oh, yeah that was a great category he was amazing in that category where's the sforgaborg oh no wait pronounce that again the sforgaborg it's like oh alex yeah yeah alex gives it to him he's like and then the next one was the florgaborg he's like you knew the sforgaborg and the florgaborg um we check with our judges and technically that is an accurate (laughs) pronunciation so we're gonna accept that that's all the same way that's a funny one when we're in the audience right and you're watching a game and you go no 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 that was right that was right and we go wait 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 for the commercial break then we see the huddle and then we see someone come up, and then we see Harry turn everyone around, and then we see Alex come up again, and they talk, and then the, then it comes, the commercial break comes, and it rolls again, and Alex says, you know, yeah, well, we've like, credited you with like two thousand dollars. There's a story of uh, the last teachers tournament that they did in Washington D.C. Uh, Kaveri Chakravati had, uh, she's Bangladeshi, I believe, and they had a question about the capital of Bangladesh, and she said, "What is Taka?" Yeah, Taka. Oh, which, yeah. Which all of us would say Daka because that's but what it looks it's like. That's why we can't say it, right? But because it's Taka. Yeah, and she yeah. said Taka. And apparently they spent 30 minutes. They called Bangladeshi restaurants <laughs> trying to figure out the correct pronunciation if it was acceptable. And they couldn't they, literally they just trust it. her? Well, I don't know. Damn. I mean, I think I, yeah, it's not, yeah, va- of it's I not meant. Washington. That's, you know? I mean, yeah, but it's also because we're not like in. Uh, Germany, but I'm sure if the answer was like uh, this maker of the beetle, and you said, I was about to say, Vati's Volkswagen. Farfagnugan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, oh, actually, there is one where Alex was quick on the draw. I remember uh, one, of my, uh, one of my questions, 
And um, I went into Wagner because it was like blah, 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 blah. It was knights. It was blah, 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 holy grail. And I said, who is Parsifal? <gasps> and Trebek goes, Parsifal, or in English, Sir Percival. And I'm like, whoa, pulled that one out because that could have gone either way. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't, Percival and Parsifal, I knew, I know that they're the same thing, but in the heat of the moment, I just went Grail, Parsifal, Wagner, yeah. right? Yeah. And I said it, and he goes, Parsifal or Sir Percival. I go, oh, I could have gotten that one wrong, maybe. Sometimes we learn things on the show. So, like, I think the first Final Jeopardy that I played in the All Star games, I did not know that the Van, Van Reen or Van. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan in Rembrandt's last name actually referred to the river. I literally was like, hold on. This is a like mostly first named artist. I knew that Rembrandt was his first name and then Van R-I-G-N was his last name. And I was like, this word looks like it rhymes with Ryan. So I'm going to say yes on that one. But I did not know that. Before I'll tell you that. what happened. All of us in the audience, none of us knew his last name referred to the Rhine also, but all of us got it immediately and go, Van Rhine means of the Rhine River? Yeah. No way. None of us ever thought of that. Okay, cool. We, no, I'm glad I, was the, just, I wasn't the only one. No, we all got it, but all of us had this head slap moment that, oh, his name means Rembrandt off the River Rhine. That's what his name means. No way. Because like so much of Final Jeopardy, especially, but so much of Jeopardy is like making these vaguely lateral connections to things, and you know thing A and thing B, and you're like, they're the same thing. What? Which is kind of cool. It's always cool to like get to learn new things instead of just having to constantly think up pieces of information. Yeah, it's fun to have that connection when you're not in the shower too. Yeah. Hey. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or when you, you walk off and you go, Van Buren. <laughs> yeah. Why did I say Van Buren? This is the dumbest thing I ever said. I remember once I'm sitting at one of my viewing parties and this clue comes up and like everyone, every time something comes up, I'd be like this, you know, I'd be like really blithe and arrogant and be like, got it, right? And then I'd see me answer it right there. And one question comes up, one clue comes up and I go, I have no idea. And then I see TV me answer it. Correctly? Sitting down, sitting down at the bar. Me had no idea what it is, but TV me got it. I'm like, oh, I have no idea what this. How did I? How did that me know? And this well, me I'm, doesn't. I'm glad that's a recent phenomenon too, because I once in a while, once every week, I'll watch my own episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that. They were, I actually haven't watched they, them in a couple they, years, but they were they were two decades ago. Grow up. No. <laughs> Some of us like to relive our glory days. Often. <laughs> Uh, I'll watch them and I'll be like, no, what? I have no clue what that is. And I'll be like, well, what is? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, have I gotten dumber or have I just forgotten? Uh, I think, or? I think the hair got better is what happened. Oh, thank God. I think, I think the hair got better for, I think actually all three of us go Google Monica Tew's college uh, oh, and go, go, go Google uh, Keith Williams college appearance and just. Actually, just Google me and you'll get my normal hair. It's, it's all pretty <laughs> terrible, but hair. I was coming out of like a multi-year crusade to rebel against my mom for making me cut my hair short as a child. So clearly I've gone back there, but I was constantly like, I want to grow my hair out long. So I had it like a little past my shoulders when I taped the college tournament. And then like a year and a half after that was like, no more. Yeah, and my mom wouldn't let me cut my hair short. I wanted a crew cut so badly because I want to be so cool, but I had to put a bowl around my yeah, head. Yeah, they, <laughs> they snip around they it. They did put a bowl around your head. Yeah. They did. Uh, and not in like a cool Beatles way, more like a third rate monkey's way. Yeah, but, but the ladies loved it, I will say. After my college championship aired, all these really attractive girls at college would come up to me and they'd be like, 
My grandma thinks you're the sexiest oh man. Yeah. Ladies love cool kids. Oh, yeah. I when I'm <laughs> work cool when I'm working at the bar, I go, here they come. And I'm like, septuagenarians got it down. <laughs> Is that why happy hour starts at two at your bar? <laughs> <laughs> and ends by 345. <laughs> I'm Wilford Brimley. And this is, you're gonna get diabetes. Um wait, so you just said something. Which is going to bring me to another thing, which is, mm. you know, you've got your lateral movement within the questions, within the clues, you know, and, and now there's this huge repository of Jeopardy knowledge, J-Archive comes to mind, and, uh, and, you, and there's heat maps, you can, you can parse all the information and, and find, you know, uh, 99% of the time it's going to be an Austin or a Bronte, and it's never going to be a Wollstonecraft or something like that if it's a certain category. So that has to evolve in the post-James era, perhaps. But Keith, I want to talk about people are saying, change the rules, change the rules. You actually got a rule changed. Yeah, I did. So you used to be able to tie, and both players you would elaborate? win the money. Yeah. yeah, Both players would win the money and come back the next day, so you'd have co-champions. And... Uh, a lot of people started doing this because of what I did with the final wager, making wagering theory a little bit more accessible to people. And you had people like Arthur Chu go on, and he tied several times. Uh, and people just grabbed onto that and started doing that. And I guess the producers thought it wasn't making for exciting games and probably also I was going to say, then you difficult. have to pay out twice the prize money. You have to pay out twice the prize money, and you have to bump someone off because... If you have two people coming back the next day, then one only person one new person is not going to be able to play. So yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of things that went into that, but um, I don't think they're going to change the rules now. If that's what you're trying to get at, right now, I think, I think that tie rule, and you're you're both to both to blame and to bring it to their attention because I don't necessarily know that they would have not saying the producers are in the dark but once someone with a mathematical mind comes up and points out that this is the logical way to play mm -hmm. and then everyone harnesses it then they'd be like oh that was just an error in the unwritten rules let's codify it right yeah um you don't you guys don't think that any other rules need to be codified to stop what we're going to talk about next, which is the onslaught of the James-like players. I don't think so, because ultimately all of the rule changes that have happened with Jeopardy that I can think of, so the raising the dollar amounts, um, cutting the five-game cap, in this case um, not allowing players to tie, they've all served to make the game more competitive, because ultimately the thing that makes Jeopardy like really, really good is that it is essentially winner-take-all. And so that makes people go for the big bets. It makes people like kind of go the extra mile to try to win instead of you know just playing for the comfortable tie. And so I think ultimately that makes the game better, and I can't think of anything off of the top of my head that they could change to make the game more competitive than it already is. Keith? I think a lot of people, when they think of Jeopardy, like to think of individual players. But as producers, I think they just like to think of, okay, we have good players on stage. It doesn't really matter who wins. And are we getting people engaged at home? And I think the ratings that James have gotten, it's been up 25%. And my understanding is oh my Monday's, Monday's episode was the highest yeah, rated episode people ever by far. who have never watched Jeopardy before have been coming up to me and been like, so what do you think about this James guy? Me so. too. And my answer is GOAT. Greatest of all time. <laughs> I mean, absolute greatest of all time. Uh, I would pay money. Well, hopefully I wouldn't have to pay money for it, but I would watch the, uh, the James, Ken, Brad death match. I'd go, I'd go live. <laughs> I, would, I would try to get tickets somehow. I'm sure they'd be going for hundreds of cents. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, statistically, uh, he is the greatest of all time. And, you know, no one is even close to him. And now, like I said, with all these resources, J Archive, Final Wager, uh, and all these metrics and, and spreadsheets and Anki decks. Anki? Anki? I didn't even know that thing existed. Huh? What is this? Anki. These like flashcards. Like the yeah, flashcard. It's the flashcard flash app for your, and it's it's. It's like a 2019 Quizlet. Yeah, it's, and it's like it's not machine learning, but it's got an algorithm where it has repetitive repetitive 
memorization yeah, spacing so where if you get something you. wrong and it shows it to you again in four spaces, later. not two spaces. What well, uh, I tried using it. So I think the main difference versus Quizlet is that you can upload like whatever cards you want. So if you could scrape out every single clue from J Archive and pop it into an Anki deck, you could have Jeopardy clues on your phone at all times. Wow. Then I could actually do something productive on the subway. Oh, no. So, wow. so um, um, our good friend <laughs> and my teammate in the All-Stars, Roger Craig, he created some Anki decks for me and uh, Leo Cooper, my teammate. And uh, while I was on the subway, I'd have... African capitals and and uh, best picture winners and you know stuff this these these rote data sets of knowledge that come up in Jeopardy all the time and you just have to know yeah. you know you, maybe not all of them you know you might not have to know Yamasukro but you definitely don't have to know Porto Prince you know yes. well, why wouldn't you want to know Yamasukro um, wait Porto Prince isn't in Africa is it I know it's just saying world capitals <laughs> hey, in general I, nice. I, I was just saying world capitals in general I didn't mean actually. <laughs> Yeah, fuck you. Why wouldn't you go with the Wagadougou? Oh, yeah. I, I actually answered that on a television show that I shall not name that rhymes with uh, piece of shit Tucker Carlson. Ooh, but what about um, Djibouti? <laughs> Djibouti's Djibouti. Box. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, wait, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, so now we've got all these tools and all this repository of knowledge, and also we've got a little bit of sabermetrics going on right now. So let's talk about the... We, we're in... We're in... Um, what do we want to call it? We're in AJ. We're in year zero. A- we're, we're in year zero AJ or year zero the JE, the, the James era, James the common era. era. Now, we're going to see roughly a three and a half to five month lag time before we start seeing these shows that are taped. Oh, after people saw James on TV. Exactly, because people who have seen James on TV have not yet taped their episodes. That's true. So sometime around, I guess this will put it in October or so. Yeah. What are we going to see? So I think I want to say the biggest thing, and I think the thing that would not have made the James domination possible with without it I can't English but that he's getting so many things right and no amount of sabermetrics will help you necessarily put more information directly into your head we don't have flash drives for your brain like the matrix yet though I wish we Not did you know <laughs> Whoa. maybe I need to get out of academia but I think the big thing is that like in order to be making huge money off of daily doubles, you need to be getting them right. It doesn't matter how much you bet if you get it wrong. And so I think the really big thing is that in order to see anyone even approach the dominance that James had, they need to be getting questions right. Yeah, it's a perfect storm of buzzer timing, deep knowledge, and just huge cojones. So, so yeah, and we all know that, you know, if you make it onto the show Jeopardy, the producers have seen several things they like at you. They've seen your testing well. They've seen much of your buzzer because you don't get much time on the buzzer. You only get to practice like five or six questions. In the audition, audition yeah. yeah. But they've seen a personality, but they've seen competency. They've seen you're going to make entertainment t- entertaining TV because remember, <laughs> this is this is a for-profit enterprise of Sony Pictures Entertainment to generate revenue through ad sales, okay? So anytime they're like, whoa, I know this really smart lawyer, I'm like, will he generate ad sales? You gotta sell <laughs> jitterbug phones. Exactly. <laughs> colonial pen. <laughs> hey, hey, Colonial Pen paid for my college. Um, no, they didn't. I, I didn't pay for college. I went for free. Uh, so, so you're right. So you got it. the buzzer, if, the three contestants out there, they know all the same things. So the buzzer is one of the X factors. Oh, yeah. Getting a little nervous up there because you're, uh, you know, you're an accountant from Peoria and you haven't left Peoria. People really, really forget about the nerves. I, as a person who, like, likes performing and talking in front of people, the 100% of the most nervous times I've ever been in my life were on the show. Like, I usually don't get nervous and legitimately thought I was going to pee my pants on stage. And and then the deep learning and the 
automatic immediate recall because you can memorize everything, but can you recall it immediately, activate the buzzer, and not go because you're uh, turned into a pool of jelly in front of lights in a freezing cold studio in Alex Trebek. Um, So my question is what, okay, (laughs) because here's my theory. Come October, Mm -hmm. we're going to see a string of a couple weeks of epic explosive failures. Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree with that. For sure. I think it might even be longer than a few weeks. I think you'll have a lot of people who come on and be like, yeah, I can do this. I can do James. I can win (laughs) 33 games or 32 games and lots of money just by betting big and hoping I get them right. And people are going to implode wagering $20,000 on a category they have no clue about. (laughs) Do you think we're going to see more games where one or two or everybody doesn't get to play Final Jeopardy because they blew a daily double and they lost all their money? No, I don't think we'll get to that point. Okay. I think most people who come on are going to play normally. Okay. I think uh, uh-huh. I think a lot of people who have come on and played James have realized that they can't beat him by playing normally, so they tried to switch their strategy. I don't think Emma was one of those. I think Emma came on intending to play that way. Yeah. Because she's been in the community for a long time, and she's studied this sort of thing. Um, but I think most people who come on are going to suffer from nerves, like... All right, so in the Ultimate Tournament of Champions, which back in my day, again, <laughs> this is 2005, and this is when Ken Jennings had lost, and they had this big tournament with 145 players, I think. Wow. They better do it again, please. Bring me back. Harry Friedman. Please. Uh, or maybe a college tournament would be nice. Oh, know. yeah. Anyway, uh, they had this big tournament, and having learned about the forest bounce, which is where you go from category to category, not necessarily at the lowest level, but trying to throw people off and find the daily doubles. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm 19. I'm baller. I'm going to crush this thing. You and your bowl cut just walked in like. Yeah. Like, oh, and I had, I wasn't wearing glasses this time. I'd finally gotten contacts. Oh yeah. yeah. That's uh, how you know. Glasses yeah, And off. I had, I had my own suit. Oh yeah. So sexy. Woo. You swaggered in like season two, Jim Halpert. <laughs> 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 no glasses, the suit and the hair. <laughs> my, my eggplant sport coat and purple tie was such a good look. So I will say that I imagined like a blazer with eggplant emojis on it. I don't <laughs> think that's what you were wearing. No, we didn't know what emojis were back then. <laughs> this is a long time ago. So you thought you so you thought you pull it, yeah. So I started bouncing between these two categories: chemistry and uh, what was it? Broadway musicals or something Ooh. like that. And I get through two of the clues. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only the four hundred eight hundred dollar. I started losing focus because one of the thi- <laughs> one of the things that people hate about watching at home when people are bouncing around is, hey, if I go to Shakespeare plays and I do 200, 400, 600, 800, 1,000, I know that these five clues are all going to be Shakespeare plays. So I'm going to vegetables that aren't green to words that start with Q to some other random category. I don't know what is happening unless I'm really following along. And a lot of people aren't sitting down and meticulously plotting and following along. A if lot of them miss are eating one dinner. Clue, yeah, suddenly yeah. you don't know what's going on. Or a lot of them are cooking and have it on the background. They're not making it the focal point. Oh, I do that hour. like today. Yeah, I'll clean my apartment if I'm watching a lot of the time. Right. Because it's comforting and I don't, it's, it's kind of like a radio show in a lot of ways, unless there's a video clue. You can just listen and follow along that way. Yeah, yeah. When, I was, when I was practicing, I would put my earphone, before I went on the show, I would put my earphones in and I'd just play video while I was walking down the street. Because you can listen. You yeah. hear both sides of the conversation. You hear yeses and nos and everything. You don't even need, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you've got all the prompts there to make it. Sh- sheerly audio. Jeopardy, yeah. if you released a podcast version, you would have at least one fan. Please. <laughs> that would be actually a really great idea. To th- I mean, that's. I mean, it would open up another tool to all the uh, aspiring contestants, but if they released back episodes just as audio, I'd, I'd put that on in the car for oh, a long yeah. road trip. That would, it would keep the kids fucking quiet, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I would like to hear? And I've made a couple of these myself because mm-hmm. you can do it is for Jeopardy to release ringtones that are like one of those, ooh, sorry. Oh, my God. (laughs) Everyone will get that. Close. My (laughs) friends before the All-Star Games, because I was making them like play games with me to practice, they would start making the do-do-do noise like just to me. (laughs) I was like, I hate you guys. (laughs) I think I rarely heard the do-do-do noise. Uh, that, That noise means... 
I, that noise means no one was being a James Holsauer. Yeah, it means no one no answered. One, you ran out of time, and no one was taking a risk. Yeah, and uh, so let's let's cap this off with uh, let's let's play through a scenario of what the future looks like. You know, you think that everyone will revert back to most people. Most people will, um, and then the big elephant in the room. Now, Ken famously said for years. Someone can beat my score, and I relish it. And by the way, for all intents and purposes, mathematically, someone did beat his score. They didn't really, they didn't do it in the numbers, they didn't do it in the duration, but they did it in. If you consider, if you continue that line, yeah, it's it's not. If you even, go with the average money won per game, exactly. I think James is going to have that. For a long time, you think a long time, or do you think this will open up the floodgates for some other? Because now I think I read somewhere James had auditioned four prior times or something like that. I want to say more than that, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, as we've been saying, like the strategy is all laid out there. You can find all of the instructions for what to do when you get up there, but you need to get questions right and buzz in. It's like the Bible; the instructions are in there. It's in the computer. <laughs> the files. You know what I, I, I was just reminded of is that uh, that time that John Stewart was on. Uh, it was a WWF or W like SmackDown yes. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a John Cena who was going to break Ric Flair's record or something like that. I, I can't remember who it was. But I, I know. I, yeah, yeah, I remember John this. Stewart. Beat uh, was it John Cena <laughs> over the head with a chair because yeah. he didn't want to beating Ric Flair's record. And yeah, the next night yeah. Ric Flair comes on. He's like. I actually was rooting for him. That definitely felt a little bit like me ways. watching and being like, "Don't be Ken, no!" And then Ken's like, "Oh, it's fine." I'm well, like, you're you're a little compromised here. I yeah, know. yeah. Hashtag Team Ken. I know. Uh, okay. ha- hashtag <laughs> not third place because <laughs> I, I did not want to get demolished by you two guys by Team Ken and Team Brad. And luckily, I was incompetent enough to not, because <laughs> I got that final Jeopardy question wrong. And if I had gotten it right, I would have been the one to get the SmackDown from the 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 Rudder Jennings double team. Oh, that sounded so gross. I was just really <laughs> glad to be like sitting on the sideline, being like, "Yeah, like you answer those questions, you go." Or were you guys hamming it up for the camera when they would pan over and be like? Yay. So some of those uh, were real. Um, some of those were like I was maybe being a little silly. I think Matt kind of refused to ham, so I took it upon myself to ham extra. <laughs> <laughs> you went ham on the hamming? Oh, yes. No, a lot of, I mean, while we were sitting on the sidelines during that, you know, most of us were hands on knees, I, uh, like elbows on knees, hands clasped, leaning forward into the game because... And one third of it for our teammate, one third of it wishing we were up there, and one third of it praying for no cataclysms. Oh my you god! Know? And it was just like as soon as it's like don't blow this, don't yeah. blow this. And when and when someone and also there was a lot of camaraderie too because when anyone blew an easy question, we everyone would go like, terrible. "What are you doing? Why would you answer that? You knew that wasn't right." And it was an opposing team. Yeah, and, that would happen, and there would just be you'd feel it. It'd be like extra silence where everyone was just like, "Oh no!" Like that was that. That was the overwhelming positivity yeah. of that thing. Everyone was only on the upswing. Any, everyone wanted to do, everyone to do well. There was not a single moment where everyone's like, yes, they blew it. I mean, there was one point going into a final Jeopardy when I knew we had it nailed and like Roger starts doing the math. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't need to do math right now, Roger. And that wasn't gloating. That was actually, that was relief that we didn't have to do math. Some, some people do like math, also, I will find out. We know that you're not really a big fan. Uh, come, come to my bar and you'll see where my math skills come into because I will charge you every fucking dollar. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, why we almost won last time we played Bar Trivia. That's what I can gave add. gave us five bonus points. That's somewhere. what I can add. Um, yeah, so the future. James Holzhauer broke the records uh, and broke the game, but I think in an overwhelmingly positive way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he broke it. I think he just refined it. I think he pointed out that this is the way that if you are a juggernaut, this is how you maximize absolutely your winnings, and this is how you win the most games. Well, maybe not the most games. He's not like you were saying Ichiro. Yeah, Ken Jennings is Ichiro. Yeah, or he's getting on base all the time. Oh, in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, nice. Wow! Didn't he, he just retired, right? He's like eighty-three. Yeah, uh, yeah, he did. He did. I hope he has yeah. a nice long retirement. Yeah, he uh, he did retire and was still one of the greatest yeah. of all time. And then uh, 
James famously con- uh, compared himself to Bryce Harper, cranking it out of the park, but when he strikes out, he strikes out. Yeah. And Ken never really struck out. Yeah. He might- and I wouldn't say James struck out either. No, actually, no. Someone just... Outpitched yeah. him just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, he just barely got beaten out. Yeah, to the so yeah. we just got to wait for the next person with crazy deep knowledge and a crazy fast uh, buzzer finger. Yeah, but uh, I would say most people are not going to be able to succeed playing that way. Awesome. Because, like Monica was saying, if you get one daily double wrong, you implode. Yeah, you're going toast. back to zero if you can't make that money back up, which is how he was able to make a lot of those big wages in the first place. Yeah. If it's in the first round, you got you know, 40 questions left or 40 clues left to go. You got plenty of time to make that back. But if, if that happens a couple times, late, yeah. yeah, it's not looking good. No, that, that's them's the cookie crumbles. Yep. Them's the cookie crumbles. <laughs> is not, that is not the phrase. Um, well, let's leave it on this, uh, Keith and Monica. One, let's hold you guys to this no. and come like, let's say, late October, mid-December. Let's take the pulse on the current season of Jeopardy people. Yeah. And let's do a little let's do a little armchair quarterbacking and see if we could see the thumbprint of James upon the new era of the game. Yeah. And um secondly and finally, um when you guys come to my pub quiz, can you guys please team up together? Because I got this team that always wins and I'm really freaking sick of it. Oh my yeah, God, please, go. because go. I keep being like, I will get Kardashian questions and then like two other ones. So. <laughs> You're a Kardashian expert? Hey, uh, good. No, I'm not judging. Yeah, I need that. Exactly. I need that on my team. That's, that's how it works. You know, um, and then for our listeners coming in the coming weeks, uh, pay attention to my Twitter and Instagram because the Jeopardy casting team will be attending my pub quiz at the Wayland Bar, New York City on 10th Avenue and 50th Street in the coming weeks. So if you don't already follow me, which you probably do if you're listening to this freaking podcast, you must follow me because how else do you find out about it? I don't know. It's not like you're... Oh, unless you're in Poland. Oh my God, to my Polish fans. You do, do you know like... One third of all my listens are in Wroclaw, Poland. What? So Wroclaw, oh. I can't even say it. Wroclaw, Poland. Uh, shout out, guys! Why don't you guys come to my pub quiz at the Wayland on 50th and 10th Avenue at 8:30 p.m. on Wednesdays? Uh, Keith Williams, Monica Tew. This is freaking fun, and we're going to revisit this again because I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of obviously James because he will be back in a tournament probably really soon and And probably uh, more than one and probably more than one and we might have to pay him at some point in time and uh, did you say pay him or play him well actually honestly (laughs) yeah you uh, wanna you wanna play me you're 20,000 can I can I Can I take Freudian slips for a thousand, Alex? <laughs> uh, because that was one. Because I will pay him by playing him. Because I will lose. Um, what were you we saying? Oh, we're ending this. <laughs> Keith, Monica, we're going to come back and we're going to see what happens in the post James era. And uh, let's make a regular thing out of this. Yeah, sounds good. Hope Thanks, I don't Austin. eat my words. All right. <laughs> Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.